I'm alive. Hi everyone, welcome to the Polygon Forest. I am Vin Hill and I am joined as ever by indie developer Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Hello, and um, uh, Vin, you're an Ubisoft concept artist. I am, I apparently. I totally forgot. Yeah, I keep forgetting what, what the odds are. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week, it's uh, it's a bit of a slow week. Um, obviously, like we've had uh, the Nintendo Direct Conference, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But um, yep. other than that, it's been, like in terms of stuff that's actually happening, like not too much is happening, but we are going to fill the gaps uh, with some stuff that's been going on. So um, yeah, but first, Chris. What have you been playing, if anything, sir? Uh, I've not been playing anything because I want to eke out um, uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima, Iki right. Island, yep. director's cut. Because I, I want to. Because once I've done that, I'm in this situation where I need a next gen console now. Yep. None are still available. We're a year later. Mm. They've been out for about a year now, and they still still can't get them. Isn't that wild? So lo- like, just as a as a principle, like this is probably the first time that's ever happened, where like all the consoles are really hard to get hold of at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's before the Christmas rush now as well. Still, yeah. So we've had that whole time. I mean, yes, they have been available earlier in the year, but I wasn't in a position to have the cash to buy it. But I am now. So yes, I haven't been playing any games, but I've been doing some more of my uh, indie games. So I did a big chunk of that yesterday and posted a video on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Acrylic Pixel. If anyone wanted to check it out after this video, plug, obviously. Plug, plug, plug. So you can go and watch that. Yep. Like and comment and subscribe. And uh, yeah. Awesome. About the indie game that I'm making. But no, I, I, I've not been uh, not been making games. It's still still busy. Homeownership is tiresome work. Ordering things, installing things. Got some lovely nice blinds that you can't see. They're behind the curtains. I'm sure they're incredible. Boring grown-up stuff. Yeah. Like all the millennials watching this. Like, this Ugh. is literally why you tune into the podcast, just to hear about Christmas <laughs> new blinds. It's true. Um, <laughs> so that's what I've been up to. But I've got a, a conundrum <clears throat> about consoles that I need to pick your brains about. But okay, we can talk about what games you've been playing first, if any. Sure, yeah. I mean, I've been playing a couple of games. Um, the first thing that I played was uh, Plague's Tale. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, I finished that yes. off, I polished it off, got to the credits, all done and dusted. Uh, I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, nice, small, double-A game, as they call it. Just And they call it double-A just purely for the team sizes that they do. I think that mm. like the credits roll by really quickly. Like, it was, it was how, a small... How long list. was it? Oh, the actual game itself? Hours. Mm. Oh, God. It went on quite a while, actually. Like it was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, considering that it's a double A game. I think it was about, I think we clocked in at about twelve hours or something. That's so, decent. Yeah, not not bad at all, and it was well paced. Like the the characters felt a little bit stilted at times. Like the animations probably could have like they could have added like an extra couple of team members to work on animations because like the character animations felt quite stiff at times. Yeah. Um, Game looks absolutely stunning though. Like the way like the environments look and things like that. Really, really cool. Like how you use the 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 rats that are running around in the in the maps like to your advantage or to your disadvantage, like if you're trying to avoid them like in the earlier stages of the game. Uh, mm. like all of that is really cool. Like it's it was a really interesting game. So I'm really like what this has got me into though is really looking forward to the sequel. Like I wasn't really I had no interest in this game whatsoever. And now that I've played the first one, um Really, yeah yeah and the next game's out like next year so it's just like yeah perfect time this is great like this yeah yeah awesome that was kind of like me and um like with it with my playstation like mm. all these ips that I just weren't, didn't really have too much interested in now i'm like fanboys of like uh 
yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn and, and God of War. No, it's cool though. It's 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 been it's been a really interesting little game though. Like I, I had like ups and downs with it. Like towards the end, the game sort of relies on the uh, the combat a bit too much because the game isn't really built around it. And then like you you run into these issues where it's just you could tell the game isn't designed for certain things, but they're leaning on it a bit too much towards the end. Like it sounds ambiguous, yeah. but people have played the game know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure. Right. So, but yeah, other than that though, like I, I really enjoyed it. People should check it out. Um, after I uh, finished that, I actually booted up on my PC this week for the first time in God knows how many years, but I booted up a Diablo one, which is like the original sort of 1994 game. Um, Decent. yeah. And it's, it's been really interesting just to play through that, just like how archaic it is, but like how many memories I've got around it, like just in terms of pure nostalgia, like there's, did yeah. it, did it hold up? Yeah. I mean, when you mod it. Um, it's yeah, it holds up absolutely because um, people have made like high res texture packs for it and stuff, and you can you can make the the resolution way higher and all that sort of stuff. So it, like it looks it looks great on your on your big screen now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just getting used to like having to click on enemies over and over again, rapid clicking and moving around and all it's like old sort of old school RPG stuff, adding stats to like plus one power and what does that hell does that mean and stuff. Just experiment and just. It, it's it's really cool though because the way that Diablo One was sort of set up, it's it, you basically just start out in this town and then you go into these catacombs or catacombs depending on how you pronounce it. Um, you go down one level, but the the level itself is actually randomly generated. So there's no like oh, right. there's no like sort of set thing for it. So you can't go and look up a guide or anything for Diablo One. So it's different every single time you play it. And then okay. every level gets more and more difficult. Like the only thing that I really hate about the game, like it playing it in 2021 is just the the ridiculously small inventory that you've got like every time you pick up like three items and like crap i've got to go back to town and you've got to go all the way back up into town like you eventually unlock like teleports and stuff to get back to town but when you when you first start out it's really goddamn tedious but i i think i'm down to like level five or six at the moment but there's like i think there's 15 or 16 the original diablo so i've got i've still got a while to go but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying that. And the reason for that is because Diablo 2 uh, Resurrected just got released, I think, this week. Um, not many outlets are covering it for the obvious reason surrounding uh, Activision Blizzard at the moment. I think right. they're like, sort of protesting against it, so a lot of outlets haven't even done a review on it. Um, wow. Which is their choice, I guess, like whatever. Um, but yeah, that just came out. Like I am interested in that eventually. And mm. yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it goes, but... Yeah, it's still a while off. Like I'm just replaying Diablo One, which I've had in my good old games um, sort of list for the past four years or whatever, or whenever the remake came out or the the port, I should say, wasn't even a remaster. Mm. So yeah, been fun though. Ah. So you know, I said I didn't weren't playing any games. That's kind of technically true, technically not true, because uh, I was actually on my little emulator, Sega. Oh, nice. emulator. okay yeah well not so much not so much me but more so my boy harrison who's five right so he's now he is now at that age where he can actually hold attention on save again <laughs> i was waiting for him to like want to get through levels and want to progress and not for it to be like a passing thing so i think he's ready now for a console mm. so I, i'm thinking about getting um yeah getting the old um nintendo switch yeah i think that'd be a good one for okay i mean how old is he now so he's nearly six, so six yeah. in November. There you go. Yeah, I think that's the... Cause especially with the whole um, 
we'll talk about this in a minute, I guess, like the whole Nintendo um, initiative towards bringing in Sega Mega Drive games into the online um, thing. Like if you can pay, because hmm. the online system right now, I think it's like $20. I don't know what it is in the UK whatsoever, but it's like $20 a year. And you just well, I think get this access to it. Was, I think this was like 20 quid right. back in the day. This is like, this is like seven, six, seven years old now. Um, it was a present, so I'm not actually sure how much it was. But it's got a rechargeable battery. You can plug your headphones into it. You can charge it USB. It's got the controls that you need. Yeah. And it's not 50 quid. And it's got a load of games. Hasn't got... There's missing some things that I'd really like to play, like Altered Beast is not on there. Mm. Um, and it's got no... It's got some Sonic games, and it's got uh, Echo, the Dolphin, and it's got uh, Golden Axe. Um, so yeah, I've been playing a little bit. Well, I've been helping Harrison get through some levels while I've been tidying up or something. But yeah, right. so I think he's ready for a, a Switch. But yeah, I need to know what game he can play so it can hold a five-year-old's attention. I'm guessing like a Mario game where yeah, you can just run I around mean, and just get killed. Yeah, I mean, if you get a Switch, there's there's so many options there anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I was gonna say like the only thing that I if you want to specifically get into Sega stuff, I mean, but there's yeah. a difference between side scrolling, isn't there, and like 3D right. games? Huge difference. But you say that, but like you put a controller in a kid's hand, they will figure it out. You know, like there's not. It's not like oh they they're they're only six so therefore they can only play side scroller games like that's not how it works like you put a controller in the hand they will figure it out like within five minutes yeah like they'll figure it out yeah like I've seen kids that like have to literally move their hands to like push buttons on the controller and they will still play three D like first person shooters and stuff like it's it's bananas like what they're able to do these days but yeah. I mean, the, the only other thing I would say to that, like if you are thinking about getting something that's Sega related more than anything, then go and pick up a um, Sega Be- uh, Mega Drive Mini, like the classic edition ones. Yeah. Um, it's small version of the console. I've got one behind me. I'll, I'll, I'll grab it in a minute if, if, if you're interested. But it's a small console. You get two controllers with it. Um, it's got mm-hmm. a load of games built in. And if, and if you're so inclined, then... You, you're welcome to like hack it and then put more games onto it anyway. Like any games that aren't hmm. missing. And there's a whole yeah. com- there's a whole like modding community behind that and around that. So like if, if people oh. are into that, then that's that's definitely an option. Yeah. I mean I'm definitely wanting a off the shelf solution, but right. like just a load of games to just to keep him entertained would be would be a start. Because yeah. he's watching videos of the games, so might as well play the games, do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, for sure. I mean like the the Switch is very accessible for kids. Like that's the thing. Mm. Um, the only the only downside to the Switch, I would I would argue, is that is the pricing on all of that. Um, how much it all costs just to like if your kid gets bored within five minutes, sort of thing, because kids' attention mm. spans are notoriously small. And if they if yeah. they get bored of one game, then that's another that's another fifty pounds. That could be like it's seventy fifty pounds, pounds down 50 the drain. Yep. Yeah, but the online stuff is is definitely a, an option, you know yeah that's true yeah and then i could maybe get stuff that i'd be interested in playing as well so like the mario games i'd be interested in playing those mario myself. odyssey mario odyssey was probably my favorite mario game since uh mario 64 yeah it was one of my games of the year that year like really really good game very fun yeah. to play accessible um just a lot of fun i can't recommend it enough that would be like if you were to get a switch that would be the first game i would tell you to get before even something like Breath of the Wild, because I still think Breath of the Wild is very sort of 
it's it's quite overrated in my opinion like there's a lot mm. of stuff in that game that was already existing in other games and it's it's kind of interesting like there was a, a game came out this week which you mentioned in the uh, pre-show but a game came out called sable mm. and that's sort of been looked at as the um like the studio ghibli meets breath of the wild meets akira style game that's yes, set in the desert. Akira vibes, definitely. Yes, yeah. that's why it looks familiar. Yes. So there's I mean, that game just came out, but it was like I was watching a couple of the reviews for it, and and just Breath of the Wild was just getting mentioned over and over again for certain mechanics, yeah. which Breath of the Wild lifted from other games, and that really annoys me. <laughs> you don't know when people do that, like the yeah. whole stamina bar, like when you're climbing up the side of mountains or whatever. Yeah. It's like oh, like another thing that Breath of the Wild had, and it's like Shadow of the Colossus did it in 2005. Like the, the gliding thing off anything, you've just got a little hand glider. Shadow of the Colossus, 2005. And it's just, yeah. it, it infuriates me when people like do that. So we need to just stop. Like give credit where credit is due, at least if you got The credit's going to the wrong place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and it, it, a much better place, in my opinion. Like Shadow of the Colossus is such a great game and it deserves like all its credit. And yeah. It's not this getting is the thing. It. Breath of the Wild. And yeah, it's got enough credit. Like it's doing fine. It doesn't need any more. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, oh it, that's cool. If you me, but yeah, so <laughs> I still need to play that. So maybe, maybe I, yeah, maybe I just need to do that. Maybe I just need to download Shadow of the Colossus and start playing that. <laughs> well, I mean, for your boy, at least I think like for, yeah, I mean, a switch isn't a bad way to go for, for kids, mm. you know, like you can't, you can't, you can't go too wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where I think it's worth getting now because especially now that we've had the announcement of the OLED, they're invested in that hardware for at least another few years. So, so it's not yeah. going to be um, changing anytime soon to a new platform. So it's not going to be obsolete anytime soon. So they're going to yeah, they're going to keep it going. And to to time. Nintendo's credit, well, not credit. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if it is to their credit, but what they tend to do and what sort of pattern is for Nintendo anyway, they they tend to hold like a, a medium uh, for at least two generations. And what I, mean, what I mean by medium is like the, the card types that they take for the games. So like the, the Game Boy Color um, used the same cartridge as the original Game Boy. And then That's the true, Boy yeah. Games. And then the DS took the same um, card slots as um, the... I think the 3DS. 3DS could accommodate the same cards into that as well. And then the Wii and the Wii U used the same... I think the GameCube and the Wii could both use the discs and then so it, it goes on and on and on but i'm guessing like even when the switch to whatever it will be called you know just yeah the nintendo swipe or whatever the fuck it'll be um <laughs> yeah right it'll probably use click the same or something yeah, yeah. it'll put yeah, nintendo click it'll probably use the same cartridges anyway so yeah it, so even true. if you do invest in a switch and all the games then there is that yeah the, the one thing i will say is and the only and it's the only console that I am not all digital for. But do not buy digital versions of games on the Switch, just purely because it. I think it only attaches to your one account onto that system. So if you if you lost that system and bought a new account, uh, bought a new mm. Switch and set up your old account onto it, you wouldn't automatically just be able to access all your games anymore. It's sort of locked to that old device. So locked don't, it to the device. Yeah. So don't. Don't buy digital yeah. from Nintendo. And the good thing about buying physical is that yeah, it's a really good resale value. As resale well. value, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that okay, would be that's good advice. advice. But yeah, okay. Mario Odyssey, top of the list. Yeah, yeah, I will do that, definitely. But it's so weird because 
I just I've got this huge backlog of games, mm. but I've just not been in the mood to sort of play any. Maybe that's because of there's not much gaming news. I'm not getting hyped up video games wise. Right. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's because I can't find a console and it's frustrating. And I'm like, I don't, I don't. I'm trying to justify uh, that I need one because I'm not playing the old one. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah, yeah, no, I, I see that. I mean, I've I've been through a bit of a dry spot with um with video games recently as well and it's just i'm not sure what it is uh, but I, th- I think it's just been a bit of a weird year anyway in, in general so it's like all the stuff that has come out has come out in drips and drabs so hmm. we'll see i'm sure we'll pick up. we should see we need yeah. uh some inspiration yeah, uh please. let's jump into the news stuff to see if there's anything where i'll whistle sure i mean um the main yeah. thing obviously is the uh the nintendo stuff which we saw the nintendo a minute ago yeah but. and the eight people that watched that video. <laughs> yeah we we did put out a uh, reaction video if you are interested in that so like go and check that out if you're into reaction videos uh, we just talked over the, the commentary yeah there's like, about a half hour of like uh you know um debrief afterwards as well so we talk about it afterwards it's longer yeah. than the actual show what's your now you've had some more time to digest that what are your mm. takeaways and reactions to how the media have re- reacted to it as well does that sound about right what the media's uh, yeah been? i mean same as always i guess like the i mean, it's no it's no secret that the uh the gaming outlets are, are very very biased towards uh, nintendo and anything nintendo do i've seen like a few headlines from major outlets just being like uh, nintendo's incredible direct like it was an amazing direct and stuff like this i'm like i mean it was good it wasn't yeah. bad but it incredible is that is that what we're going with is that the adjective that you went for and it's mm. i don't know like i don't know if i agree with it being the greatest thing in human history sort of thing like it i don't even i wouldn't even consider it impressive but it was it was certainly a decent direct i thought i thought the um news around the switch online stuff was really exciting that was cool yeah that was exciting and new a bit left field interesting yeah and then uh, questions around the prices I'm more I'm more I'm more interested when Nintendo actually do something that's different to what Nintendo normally do. Like that's the stuff yeah. that interests me. It's yeah. like, okay, Nintendo are doing online stuff and they're doing a subscription based service where you can opt into it and it's you can play all these cool old games, which they don't really have a history of doing until recently. Like this yeah. is this is interesting. This is exciting to me. It's fresh, yeah, definitely. Because they're actually they're trying things which other companies have been doing for years now. So it's it's nice and refreshing to see Nintendo do that sort of stuff, but the things that people are reacting to is just like the like Chris Pratt being Mario, like that's the that's the main headline, yeah. right? The huge memes involved in that, like <laughs> there's the one where it's, where it's the start of Guardians of the Galaxy, where he he puts the headphones on, is is singing around the cave, yeah. yeah, and he puts the Mario hat on, and then he's <laughs> instead of kicking the rats that are in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's kicking like Goombas, Wampers. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Which is brilliant. I've got an, I've got my own idea from for like a gift for a, a Chris Pratt. Go Mario. ahead. Yeah, tell me. Go on. It is uh it's the meme in Parks and Recreation where he does this face where he does the that face <laughs> right. except just with a Mario hat on <laughs> and a and a mustache. Yeah. So if anyone's not made that yet, I might I might might give it a crack if I get a free a free minute. But this next actually not, this next week's crazy for me so i won't i won't get time um but yeah, but yeah i mean what what do you think like overall about the 
with the announcement of like the Nintendo stuff, uh, all the uh, Mario movie, I guess, like the Mario movie stuff. Well, we talked about this briefly in the, in the pre-show. Yeah, the way I see it is like throughout history, you know, we've had the the Mario live-action movie with Bob Hoskins. Yeah. In was it the late nineties? Was it? Yeah, Early my, 90s, my brain has sort of tried to eject that out at some point. I'm sure, so I can't remember. Yeah, like the it was sometime. Yep. And my boy Harrison, who's five, loved it, which is crazy. He watched it recently. So it it stands up for a five-year-old that has some knowledge of what Mario is because mm. um, he's seen the games being played and he's seen some of the cartoons. So that's kind of my takeaway for this new new film. Whereas, you know, it won't sound like an Italian guy. It won't sound like the, vo- the voice actor that does the original Mario is going to be in it in Cameo. is popping up. Yeah. But we're guessing that Chris Pratt is going to use an American accent for this film. He's not going to try and put on an Italian accent because that's... <laughs> I don't know if that would be funny and, and sensitive. Or, yeah. yeah. It's just not the time. Um, so that's where we are. So it's going to be an American Mario, we think. Um, and my takeaway is I'm going to take Harrison to the movies. Harrison has got some idea of what Mario tropes are. He's going to enjoy it probably because it's going to be funny. Yeah, even if it's juvenile, I think it'll be worth it. And it, yeah, it's it's a tactic that's as old as time. Get the big name actors in with a massive price tag to get the parents to buy the tickets in the first place. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that's the main probably drive. Be fine. It's going to be it's yeah. the the market's in the movie to people like you. So you're going to take your boy to see the movie to sort of introduce yeah. him to this culture that you've grown up with as well. Yeah. I think the exact same thing happened with the uh, the Sonic movie. The exact thing, yes. same thing. It was just a bunch yeah. of dads, basically, that were like, I'm going to take my kids to see that movie so they can understand yeah. and stuff. And it's really funny to see like the exact same sort of reaction from the Mario thing. I think Mario has got a bit more of a cultural shove than Sonic in that respect. But Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would say so, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's going to be fine, but... yeah. It's the 20, 30-somethings that are like used to seeing Chris Pratt do X, Y, and Z, and then he's doing something left field, and it's combining two things that they love, but just maybe not in the way that they would want, but it's not for them. Sure. It's for the little kiddies. It's for their... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, same, the same thing yeah. happened with uh, the Detective Pikachu uh, movie, which yeah. everyone heard that Ryan Reynolds was doing that voice, and it was like, really? Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu? I mean, he's funny as Deadpool, but like with Deadpool, but why the hell but would as, he do Pikachu? As a little electric mouse, who knows? Yeah. Right. And but it worked. It was, yeah. And it it worked. got kids through the door. That's what happened. And right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It got kids through the door. Like, that's the best expression to sort of go with on this, but. It's one of the only times you can use that without getting yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I am morbidly curious about this movie, though. Like, I'm not interested in it whatsoever, like, in terms of, like, a, an entertainment viewing sort of thing. Like, there's only so much... I mean, it's Mario, you know? Like, the trailer so will much, be enough for you, I think, won't it? Yeah. Right. There's only so yeah. much it can do for me as, like, a, a 34-year-old, like, dude sat in his house, you know, playing really, like, heavily morbid games like The Last of Us Part 2 like am I going to play am I going to go and watch the Mario movie you know like I, I'm not too sure like if I'm the right audience for this and rightfully so I think it is for kids so mm. yeah I'm trying to take everything with a with a grain of salt but I'm, I'm yeah. not I'm not up in arms about the Chris Pratt thing I think it's I think it's more funny yeah. than anything <laughs> I think, I, I, and, it'll be great yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine 
and because of the, we know we we just know just from the who the cast are that they're going to be taking liberties with the, you know, the lure, and it's not real anyway, so mm. they can do anything. And you know, the nineties live action film, you know, that completely it's set a low bar. They're fine. Yeah, you know, like yeah. It, there's no way in hell it can be worse than that. So, like, if it no. can't be worse than Bob Hoskins, like, doing this, then it's just nothing but net. You know what I mean? Like, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, they've it. got this, the Sonic, because the Sonic movie was quite good and it's got sequel and, and things, they've, they've got that bar to go against. They That's do fair. have, yeah. they do have expectation for sure, but the talent involved are, are pretty, pretty good. But the voice actor they did to Sonic, I really like him. I can't remember his name. Um, but he's really good. He was in, he's been in Parks and Rec with Chris Pratt, interestingly. That is interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, he's I a, mean... He's a comedian. The, that is the question. Will Sonic rock up during the uh, during the Mario? And maybe? they have a little race right. at the Olympics. Yeah, I see. I mean, they have the, the Mario and Sonic Olympic Games, like the actual exactly. like, video games that come out. So, yeah, I mean... Crossover. Yeah, Nintendo mostly own um, Sonic mostly at this Sega. point. God, yeah. It hurts. It just hurts. It's like... The, you can watch it like during the video when we when we were watching it, just seeing uh, Sega Mega Drive being on the Switch was just sort of like this is painful for like the little the little Mega Drive owning kid inside of me, you know, like that hurts. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so weird because it just it's it's the equivalent now of if in twenty years time on the PlayStation Seven there's an Xbox app where you can play Halo. You know what I mean? That's what it's like. And it's like, oh, that's just... Yeah, and it's like I mean, 100 quid for a wireless uh, um, Xbox, Xbox controller, controller that doesn't have haptic feedback. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, we've taken off the haptic <laughs> wireless controls. <laughs> yeah. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that's the equivalent, though. And it's it, like, yeah. I'm not, not, like, I'm totally against, like, this toxic sort of culture of, like, fanboys that we sort of got at the moment. There's, like, people literally on Twitter that will sit there all day just yeah. trashing other companies because it's not their company or whatever and they're constantly comparing things and like there's that but when we were kids and it was like in the playground like it wasn't it wasn't the same thing where you're like you're like no sega's better because i've got one and you don't and stuff and like that was the end of the argument yeah so and you'd have the argument face to face and not yeah over the internet yeah, yeah and threatening each other like with with death threats and stuff which is yeah that never happened Thanks, there was Twitter. a time before that yeah, yeah. Thanks, Troy. Um, Good time. So what else is happening? Kenya, Bridge of Spirits has been eagerly anticipated and it's out. Yeah. It's being reviewed well. I'm seeing a lot of Twitter people that were hyped for it and they're kind of backing up their hype. Yeah. You've got an interesting take on it. Uh, it's not really interesting. It's just more so, like, if you read the reviews, like, because I'm one of those weird people that still reads reviews and not just looks at or a granddad score. i know right yeah uh but yeah it's it's just really fascinating if you actually read through the reviews they've got a lot of complaints just like laid out saying it's it's very formulaic there's nothing really original about the game looks absolutely beautiful like in terms of the animation but of course it's gonna it's made by people that have worked at like high-end sort of animation studios like it looks absolutely stunning can't yeah can't knock that uh, but like the, there's pretty much no progression in the game in terms of like how you level up your character. There there is like a level tree or whatever, but it's there's nothing meaningful. Like you don't unlock any meaningful abilities or anything like that. So there's a lot of problems there, and like just the the structure of the game. Like the same like the the main character doesn't really have like a proper story arc to her whatsoever. Like it's just there's it's more about the stories around her 
and it's like apparently quite frustrating. But at the end of all of these complaints within the the actual reviews itself, like there's this really interesting moment where it's just like, yep, yeah, these are all the problems laid out, nine out of ten. And it's like, wait, what? Like why? Wait, why is it you're not nine? justified? The high score, basically, is what you're. Yeah, and it at. it just yeah. doesn't really. Line. I mean, I don't care about scores anyway. Like, I don't really look at them unless the only time I actually care about scores is like when it's when I'm looking at a game that I've worked on, I've like hypocritically, but like that's just you can't help that. Um, but the yeah, just the way that the scores are set up for this game is really just don't line up to the words. It's really strange. Today, I, w- I watched the girlfriend review of Death Loop. And you know how well that's been getting reviews. That's been getting like 10 out of 10s. Yeah. Um, the girlfriend the you, hot take was basically saying like, it's a solid seven or eight out of 10. Like it's a solid game, but it doesn't deserve all the, all the, all the praise and, and what they basically were getting at in the, the really interesting, funny, unique way that girlfriend reviews does do their reviews mm. is that they were saying that um, they think it's probably because there's been so little games come out and we're coming out of COVID and there's so many delays that journalists are just happy to be working again. Then as soon as a, a game comes along that's that's out, that's kind of AAA, that's by a uh, company that's got a good reputation, um, that is doing something innovative with the way that they're combining, you know, the mechanics and the story, it gets a 10 out of 10 for those reasons, regardless Gosh, of the fact that, that it you could argue that it's seven or eight out of 10. Just those reasons alone are, are giving it that. Because they compared, go is because they go, they went, it's not a Red Dead Redemption 2. It's not a yeah. uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's, you know, it's not a another AAA game that's 10 out of 10. If you, they compare it to those games, which are considered 10s out of 10s, you know, Deathloop kind of lowers that bar. Which I think, which I think, fair enough. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen I mean, a lot the, of the... I, I always have problems whenever a game gets tagged as a ten, anyway, just because, like, mm. okay, is it perfect? It, does it mean it literally cannot go any better? Sort of thing. Like that's a hard number, and like by that standard, obviously, it's kind of a stupid statement to say anyway, because by that standard, we'd never give out tens. Then the nine would become the new ten. But it's mm. it's sort of interesting when a ten does come along because that's automatically sort of loaded in that respect where. There's going to be gamers out there that don't agree with that. And I've started seeing that a lot as well about Deathloop, where the outlets don't really line up to what the users are saying, like the actual user reviews. A lot of people are saying, mm. yeah, it's a great game. It's nothing like there's nothing inherently bad about it. It's just it's not it's not as amazing as they're sort of saying. And I'm sort of seeing that with uh, Kenna or Kenya or Kenya. I can't actually remember how the pronouncement is. Ken, it's k-e-n-a so is it kenna yeah it was kenna but like i watched a uh, developer interview not too long ago on that and he pronounced oh. it kenya or something every person in our company that i work with because i've got a day job we all pronounce the company name differently <laughs> yeah i mean same thing at ubisoft like you you go to yeah. the uk and people call it ubisoft with a y at the, at the beginning mm. um you go to japan it's completely different it's ubi software which is like they look at the ubi as like like ubi as if it's like a uh an abbreviation almost. a person oh yeah. an abbreviation all oh, right so they look at it like that and then software is like software like ubisoft like ubi software so they they lengthen it out way too much sort of thing but the, like in france though it's ubisoft like ooh and that's how we pronounce it in montreal as well so it's like everywhere is different but no one can agree on that story of my life <laughs> 
So yeah. Um, what else has been happening? The Kirby uh, people are the same <laughs> as us. Post-apocalyptic. <laughs> the post-apocalyptic Kirby people are just as like what, what happens the heck? to people? Like left field, like. And it's also seemed to be one of the more popular announcements as well. Like, yes, finally, a you know standalone Kirby game that's 3D. So that's never happened before. So we never actually put piece those together. Like standalone 3D Kirby game. Yep, first time. Yeah. So of course it's post-apocalyptic because what else was it going to be? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the game looks great. It looks it looks fine. Um, I mean, it makes me a lot more interested because of the the setting. Like, I, I actually want to know what the hell this setting is about. Like, we we joked about it a lot. Like, being like, okay, did Kirby eat all the people, and this is why it's all falling apart. But there was, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing that makes me interested though is stuff like uh, Mario Odyssey. The fact that Mario Odyssey was so good. Um, yeah. And this could this be of, as good? Could this be as good? Because it's like mm. it's got the same sort of flavor to it. Um, who knows? Like Nintendo are very hit and miss about how they bring back certain ips because a lot of the core mechanics of these games are very similar to their predecessors especially when they're in the same sort of ip like mario odyssey well, is arguably quite similar to mario 64 and, and, and stuff like that so it's just the like final fantasy karting game yeah it's just <laughs> yeah it's just but that's been Kart, done before. just with final fantasy but that's yeah. been done before as yeah, well Chug- yeah chogo racing was on the uh, playstation one i think so what was was it diddy con was the first racing one to use an IP and put it in go-kart form? It might have been Mario Kart, like on the SNES. So mm. going back a while. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of people okay. that have done it, though. Like the Crash Team Racing, obviously, did really well in that space as well on the PlayStation 1. Um, Sega. Sega. For that. Sega Sonic Racing. racing. Yep. That was really good. Was that Ninja Theory? Uh, I think so. Was, I know it was a UK team. It was a UK um, team, yeah. I can't remember which They did one. a good job there. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that was good. So yeah, the uh, so yeah, the Nintendo Direct stuff, the Kirby. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and it's good that the press has kind of taken that as well. Yeah, I think because they needed something new as well. Like I'm, I'm always happy to see Nintendo. Like even if it is an old IP, like the fact that they're doing 3D now is sort of like that, that's that's good enough. Like that's the best I can hope for from Nintendo is in terms of like new stuff. Like because yeah. we. Because that's like Nintendo are heavily reliant on um, nostalgia in that respect, um, and rightfully so. Like that's their that's their market, and, and people that's why people love them. That's why they tune into the directs. Um, so it's 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 great that they found an audience for that. But like for me, as like a person that isn't he- that heavily invested in, in Nintendo, it's it's nice to see them like this is as far out as they're going to branch, sort of thing. So it, it's cool to see this at least. And uh, the press hasn't picked up on Bayonetta's bum. <laughs> well, they won't. Why would they? Uh, the only thing I've been seeing about that in Twitter was being um, like, step on me, Bayonetta, mummy. You know, it's so weird. It's just so weird. Like the whole post. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this during the direct, but the whole post sort of Gamergate world that we live in where everyone's like, yeah, let's respect women and, and respect equal rights and all that sort of stuff. And then there's... So, so you're allowed to sexualize women as long as they're being uh, strong sexually and dominant. dominant. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, we get Mario games and in the Mario movie, there'll be the damsel in distress like as Princess Peach. And then in Breath of the Wild, which is rated like the best game of the last generation, 
or of this generation so far at least depending on which system you're looking at but hmm. even there like you're there protecting like you're trying to save zelda again like princess zelda is stuck in a castle and you've got to go and help again her. it's like right. taken three it's like really <laughs> yeah and all of this like combined with the juxtaposition of like let's let's lift up women and, and give them hmm. like they should have equal rights and all this sort of stuff which i thousand percent agree with but it's hmm. just the the irony of it all is is really fascinating to me, but yeah, I, I think it's a dynamic that will never die out. But um, but I think there's things that I think there's there's definitely way more that can be done that isn't being done that can be done mm. um, with the whole damsel in distress thing. Yeah. I mean, this. I mean, yeah. it, there is a place for that sort of stuff, you know. Like we we can we can turn that on its head, and we can like do the opposite and all of that. And like you can have moments where like someone's in trouble and you can save them, like as a male or as a female or whatever. But like, there's yeah, we we can never just like flip it completely on its head. Otherwise, we'll get the opposite problem, and then <laughs> we'll have to yeah. flip it back, sort of thing. So it's about finding that balance. But yeah, yeah. The, like the the butts is is definitely weird to me i guess but close up on the butt yeah yeah i mean it's a very japanese thing don't get me wrong like i understand why it's there and why it's been done and same thing with the uh, project eve stuff that we saw at the uh, playstation conference like yeah. every shot was just like her shiny backside flying across the screen it was like jesus christ and it was just like slowing down and it was like i think i saw her ass more than i saw like the, the front of her face if i'm honest in that in that trailer which is yeah. i'm not even over exaggerating but it's really strange that that's, you know, sort of where we are <laughs> in that respect. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that is a weird one. And yeah, that that, that will be talked about in the, in the you know, the Mario movie. Um, because, uh, was it Anya? Is it Anya Taylor-Joy? Yeah, the the one that's playing. That's playing Peach. Peach, Princess yep. Peach. We that's know right. she's got, uh, she's got a range. She can... She can play a few different roles, um, so it'd be interesting what direction they take with that in the film. Yeah, for sure. Because the Wreck-It Ralph had kind of had that. Uh, there was news articles because of the um, Disney princesses were in the film, mm. and you know there was a lot of articles about things like what they were doing, what their skin color was like, how true to the original IPs it was or wasn't. And uh, yeah, it seemed like they were whitening up some of them. And Yeah. It's yeah. Like the whole conversation around uh, cultural appropriation is it's something that's never going to end. And it's it's a fascinating subject because the, the things that are used as examples the most are like things from Japanese culture. And they say, oh, you've, you've whitewashed it from Japanese culture. But like the, the opposite kind of happens a lot in Japan as well, which is never sort of mentioned. Like we have, there's a lot of white characters that are like Japan washed, you could say, and, and vice versa. So yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. Because Princess Peach is a, a Japanese version of a Western idea of what a princess is. Hmm. And Princess, and, and Mario is a, is an Italian Japanese. Plumber. Is a Japanese version of what an Italian plumber is. Right. And is. Peach has got blonde hair and blue eyes and she's meant to be Japanese. And it's 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 kind of strange, you know, like you don't really Yeah, when when you try to put it into some sort of global context, it doesn't really fit a lot of the time. Like I've had this conversation a million times with people, but one of the main characters from um 
an anime called Death Note, um, the character of L is meant to be British. Like he's meant to be a white guy. But like in, in all the Japanese movies, he's always portrayed by a Japanese person. I don't have a problem with that. Like I, I think the whole conversation is sort of silly in that respect. Like the director's got his own vision. He can do what he wants. And the mm. vice versa happens as well. Like Ghost in the Shell, like obviously an all white cast and all that sort of stuff. Like it's depending on how you look at it. But if if the original creator is okay with it, in my opinion, then it's it's not a problem. Like that's that's sort of where it starts and ends for me. Like if if they are okay with it, like the people that came up with this stuff in the first place, yeah. And I really don't see anyone has an argument to sort of stand on at that point. But to each their own. Everyone's got an opinion about this. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there are any Japanese characters like looking Japanese. That'd be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah, there aren't any in the Mario universe, are there? So it'd be interesting to see how they deal with the movie. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, it's Mario, right? Like, I don't really think it's the place to... It's not real. About. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people are talking about cultural appropriation and, like, in fiction. It's sort of like, wait, what? Like, this doesn't even... This doesn't even make yeah. sense. <laughs> like, none of this is real anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. There, there, yes, that's very true. But, you know, young impressionable people are going to... Oh, yeah. watch it thinking this is how people should act or shouldn't act or this is appropriate not appropriate blah 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 absolutely so yeah they've got to navigate that with the archetypes of a japanese interpretation of western characters from the 80s yeah <laughs> so good luck yeah at least sonic is just a blue hedgehog well mario is just a plumber that jumps on stuff goes down pipes yeah that's it that's all he was, uh, but he's became this. He's become this sort of like cultural icon. But originally, he was just like this. Okay, we need a dude that jumps side scroll. Okay, we got this character from this last game that we did in Donkey Kong called Jumpman. Yeah, Jumpman's a terrible name. Let's give him another name. Okay, we we've got these pipes. He could be a plumber. Okay, let's look for an Italian name, and then they found Mario, and then like. Well, you it, know why he's you know why he's got a mustache. I don't know be- because there weren't enough pixels to do a mouth. <laughs> it does not. So that's why he's got a mustache. Yeah. That didn't surprise yeah. me at all. Yeah. Like, I do a lot of pixel characters as well, but I, I rarely ever put mouths on them just because, like, it, it gets way too small for them to read. It would just be like a little... Yeah. And even if, if you did put, like, because you get to this weird sort of situation where if you put a mouth on it, then it looks like their mouth is, like, this big. But then if you don't yeah. put a mouth on it, then it, like, it, it could be small, it could be medium, like, you don't know. So it's best to leave that stuff ambiguous. So I totally understand that, like, if they put a moustache on it. But... Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think the movie's going to be fine. Cultural appropriation yeah. aside. <laughs> yeah. There'll be some gags. It'll be funny. You know, everyone involved is, well, they've got, a, you know, the grade A cast, so they're all, they'll all be able to perform well. Yeah. So, yeah. It just, it just depends. It just depends how many uh, butt shots they can get of Peach in the uh, in the first trailer. That's, I think that'll be, yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. Butt shots. That was a terrible joke. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I want to see Toad's butt. Toad shots. There's an <laughs> innuendo on that somewhere. It's got to be. That sounds really, really wrong. Check out that shell. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, check out those Toad shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the only the uh, only other thing uh, about the Nintendo Direct really was the um, the online stuff, which was the it did come out yeah. afterwards that the uh, membership is going to be announced in October. They said so they still need to crunch the numbers, I guess. Like I really don't know why they announced this without having the price set up. Uh, but yeah, remains. To be yes, 
Hopefully Maybe it's, it's just marketing, just we're still dotting the I's and crossing the T's and just okay, weren't so. ready yet. And just getting things signed off. Um, well, they yeah. sometimes announce these things early just to get public interest as well because everyone will be talking about this on the forums and they'll be like, okay, now they'll be able to assess what all these people are actually um, predicting or like what are they willing to pay for this sort of thing. And then they can sort of like extrapolate from that. They might already have a price somewhere in the back of their head ready to go, but like there's a good chance that they're just waiting for feedback from the fans to see how much they are willing. Because there's a lot of discussions online right now saying stuff like, oh, if it's X amount, then I'll pay for it. If it's not, if it's Y amount, then I'm not going to pay for it. And they'll yeah. sort of take notes on that and they'll figure it out, I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, there's so, a new Rainbow Six Siege operator. Oh, yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah, probably. Huh. <laughs> I don't want to say which. Osa. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, I'm reading it on. Uh, yeah, I'm reading it. So the fact I know about it means it's, you know. I mean, I obviously know about it. Like, I know about all the operators because I'm working on the game. But yeah, it's sort of. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So engineering, prodigy from Croatia. Don't need to know the backstory. Oh, it's a lady that's got a riot shield. Cool. It's, that's it's, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's legacy characters from Siege. Right. For now, anyway, I think. I'm not. I'm actually sure, like what what's getting announced and stuff for that. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to be adding new characters <laughs> later or what. Like, I really don't know about any of that. Yeah, I, I work on environments. I've no idea. I, I can tell you everything about the levels one day, but I can't tell you anything <laughs> about the good. characters. Do not touch them. Don't look at them. So yeah, different world. That's cool. Um, so another thing we've been moaning about pre-show mm. games news. I'm on, what am I on? Games Radar. Everything on Games News is film and media. Yeah. It's not video games. It's getting Films and TV. Yeah. What the heck, man? Yeah, I mean, we, we've had this conversation before about journalism and games journalism and not sort of stepping up to the plate yet. We're in this weird sort of in-between moment where the games industry has gotten really big. There's a huge fan base for it, but there's not really there's not really the uh, the content to sort of match you know the the want of information so like we're in this weird position now where when marvel announced a new trailer or something or a new movie or a new ip uh the big outlets will pick it up and they'll, they'll report out as news and we haven't quite got there with the zeitgeist in the video games media yet so we've, we're in yeah. this weird situation now where all the outlets like that do journalism quote-unquote i say quote-unquote because i don't really think they're journalists i just think they're critics they're um, critics with a yeah publisher. Yeah, they're kind of they're now looking to scramble, and they have been for like the last sort of five ten years. They're sort of scrambling to different ways to bring in people, which is movies and series and comic books and things like that, like wider culture, popular culture anyway. Um, but yeah, so they started like as you said, they they've started taking on whole sections of their websites just for that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's just not good journalism. Like, I'm on the Kotaku homepage now. That's a shame. Condolences. And they've got two articles and one on top of each other. And it's just disappeared. But both about... Um, oh, no, here we go. Activision Blizzard QA department seems like a hellhole seems like is not good enough journalism yeah it's not 
like that is a t- like I haven't even read that. I didn't know anything about the story. You've just read it out to me. It's them sort of words that annoys me with the games industry. Like they are just jumping on the bandwagon, like as if they they themselves are consumers and they're just sort of co-reporting on it based on other people's reactions. They're not actually reporting yeah. on it. Like there's no original journalism here. Seems like we heard just like you. We well, we read a tweet on Twitter. Must be terrible stuff like that, and it's that sort yeah. of journalism which is. It's, it's worrying, man. It just seems juvenile and not. they're missing the point of what journalists' job is, is to communicate news by being as communicative with the facts as possible to let the uh, consumer mm. come up with a balanced uh, understanding of what's happened. Yeah. They and don't, they don't to report do that. facts, they report their opinions, which is like... Yeah. This is the problem that we've got with like real world news when we've got people like CNN and, and Fox News like reporting stuff which is just like completely opinion. Like rarely like little bits of facts sprinkled in. But it's so like opinionated that you like you form an opinion based on what they've said rather than like if you go and read something like um DAP or if you read something like even like BBC News, which like is a little bit biased towards one side or another, but even then, they just list out facts, quotes from the actual people that they've spoken to. More facts, that's it. Like, there's no, like, opinion pieces. Like, and if there is an opinion piece, it's clearly labeled opinion pieces. Yeah. We, we have none of this in video games at the moment. Like, and it's it's really, it's kind of worrying, like, that we're sort of heading down this road because we're just, because what it's doing is just, it's sort of extracted out into this marketing campaign. And it's just a marketing tool now for companies and just gossip columns and it's it's really weird to me it's just really strange considering how big the games industry is this is how they're sort of treating it i think there's this huge void of like there must be there's room in the, in this environment because they're all the same like games radar looked at mm-hmm. not not great it's just full of films and tv yeah. GameSpot, kotaku all the big th- they're like the big three i suppose aren't they really yeah there, IGN. That's another one. IGN. There's like room for journalists with integrity that report like journalists and only on video games news and not TV and films. Mm-hmm. And for it to be like awesome. Like you still get the adverts on the articles or whatever, and you still do like reviews and still do like opinion pieces and whatever. But like there's got to be room for that. Yeah. Like, people, I'd be crying out for that. I would, I would if there was a, uh, if there was a website like that, I would go to that every day, and I would just never look at any of the others ever again. Yeah, I mean, the problem with all of this is that the people that are even got like one toe in the the sort of that sort of field which we're talking about, which we're sort of wanting and what we sort of need for the industry to keep it accountable. Like, this is the main reason why. Because mm. when you report these sort of things, like things change for a good accountable way. journalism is freaking important. Yeah, yeah, it's really like, important. And like, yeah. the pe- and the problem is, is that the people that are slightly doing this and not doing it even that well, people like, unfortunately, I'm like, to, sorry to call them out, but like people like Jason Schreier, like they, they who get stuff wrong all the time, but because he's like slightly towards like the better side of it, like yeah, he might be the best games journalist in the whole journal, yeah, in the whole industry, he might be. Yeah, but the best yeah. games journalist in the games industry 
it's still subpar. You know what I mean? The bar is still too low. Right. He gets a lot of information out that other people don't, so he's definitely got that. Yep, credit where connections thing and information. But he still, does he still sprinkles flow. in his opinions all the time in all of his work, and it's really dangerous. Like when he does that, because it's mm. just like he's constantly got this this sort of weird shift and opinion about like how the games industry needs to unionize, even though he or on Twitter he'll rile people up on Twitter as well with this choice of words. Yeah, which again is not the it's not the purpose of a journalism. Right. Like, and, and, and you can't, like when he does, yeah. You can't yeah. even you can't even say that oh, I did it by accident or like I oh, didn't mean it that way. He's a journalist. He's a writer. He what he does yeah. for a living is use words to convey information. If he can't yeah. do that right, even on his social media, then you know he needs to like be held a bit more accountable to that. And he's constantly sprinkling it in his opinions about union unionization and stuff. Like he's written two books on it. Like it's just it's painfully obvious. And I've read one of his books as well. And the whole thing is just like an attack on the industry and how terrible everything is. And like, and he picks out individual studios and like he, like he focuses on certain things, but it's just not how the industry is writ large. And it, it, it's not a fair assessment in my opinion. And like, he's constantly pushing this thing in, in all of his work if he can, because mm. whenever there's a bad journalist story comes out, there's always talk. Like there's some side sprinkle of this is why they should unionize. And it's like, dude, like didn't need to say that like people like this is up to developers it's not up to journalists it's not up to gamers this is up to developers that's it they're the only people that matter in this like it's their decision like stop pushing this thing like we'll figure it out for ourselves thanks yeah it's very strange yeah because that is that that does smack of um yeah trying to use trying to leverage people that aren't involved in the decision-making to make changes in the industry, regardless of how noble and good and however you think the the change would be for everyone involved, you know, consumers, developers, game devs. Uh, it doesn't matter how good you think that that cause is. If you use your journalistic uh, power to uh, change people's opinions or influence people's opinions to for the for the purpose in any you know however much of a percentage this is going to change people's opinions five percent of this article about thinking pro union that's all bad yeah it's, it's it's not what that's not what journalism is about like agendas should be left at the door hundred percent yeah I mean it's like journalism is for facts and reporting facts it's not there to report on your own opinions like you can, impartiality you can write. is. Yeah, the most important thing about journalism. Yeah, I mean, you can write opinion pieces if they are labeled as such. You know, you can you can do an opinion piece like that's that's why websites mm. and and newspapers and and stuff like that has opinion pieces is because like okay, we're going to put facts to one side for a moment and just talk about like what feelings are and things like that, which is important. It's just when they merge together, um, it gets really dangerous, and we see that from things like. I mean, you just look at the wider world in terms of like the news industry and how Fox News and CNN is literally pitting people against each other um, in in the United States, and the same thing mm. happens in the UK with obviously with the Daily Mail and things like that. And it's GB just, News now as well, the news, right. the TV channel, GB News, is which just, is which is dangerous because it's it's not just about them anymore. It detaches like the news sets opinions into people, and then the like the people like have this sort of team mentality of like it's us versus them and it's start like i i'm starting to see that in the games industry now like we've been seeing it a lot 
like we we see yeah, Twitter accounts that yeah. are just dedicated to just us versus them mentality of like Xbox versus PlayStation. Every time PlayStation messes up, there's the Xbox fanboys come out like, look how bad PlayStation are. It's like, why do you care? You know, like it's it's just yeah. this weird battle that's happening, and I, and I'm pretty sure this has come from these sort of weird opinions from journalists and reporting on very specific stuff and and how they have these weird opinions like bleed down into the game of fan base which is it's just bizarre to me like the whole thing is mm. really strange i think i think that to, to kind of um thumbnail it and polarize the good side of things it, it again i can take it from twitter it's when it's the wholesome memes mm. you know you get the wholesome memes it doesn't yep. hurt anyone right it's good for everyone we need wholesome journalism yeah. in games that's what we need, basically. But that, the purpose that is... comes from like just listing out the facts and just talking about like what's actually happened. When because when they mm. do that, it's it's very much just okay. This X, Y, and Z has happened, and it's not saying okay X, Y, and Z has happened. Now you you as the reader ha- need to have this opinion about this because I feel yeah. like this. Now it's like okay, I've got X, Y, and Z. I'm going to make my own opinion out of this, like whatever it may be. And, and they can sort of like process that and think about it from every side that they can. Like they're not already primed in, in a negative way. And I think that's where you get a lot of these fans that of video games that are gamers that are just are okay with all the platforms. Like they're not looking at like this thing, like it's an enemy thing. Like we're talking about video games. For and it's, sake. it's most people, it's the silent majority that mm. are just okay with everything. Absolutely. Because if it does, most people, if it doesn't affect them or bother them, they don't, they're not bothered. They don't really care. It's just right. the, the loud on either end that are shouting each other yeah yeah no you're right yeah but that's what the algorithm churns out isn't it yeah because it's it's reactive and more people are commenting on it it's more inflammatory yeah so strange yeah very very strange but yeah maybe that'd be our next venture there maybe we'll get into hell no journalism no god no christ i wouldn't want to be a journalist but uh yeah oh but i want i want games journalists i want journalists to exist yeah because uh, good ones i i keep i keep coming back to this but i just do not believe that we have that many games journalists in the industry right now we just don't like there's a lot of these people that are sat in these outlets unfortunately and they do hard work as well i'm not like i'm not scuffing yeah. at what they do like giving us reviews for free like that they're, they're allowing us to make good decisions on our purchases and and like yeah. how we're actually looking at this sort of stuff it's important what, what they give you for the little they get in return is yeah yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like these people really aren't paid that much, but on the other hand, like the the same people are being asked by executive editors or like editor in chiefs at these websites or or like at these outlets, and I'm asking them like, hey, now a serious topic just suddenly came on, like this whole Blizzard story, like okay, Blizzard story is broken out. Like you game critic, like person that just gives your opinions about games and how the mechanics aren't tight on level three and all that sort of stuff. Now report yeah. on this really serious story yeah and they're like they're sort of out of their depth in that respect because this is not what they're trained for like this is not what they're used to this isn't their bread and butter mm. so like we're sort of there's this whole this gap of people that are just not being able to do this sort of stuff properly and the whole apple versus epic thing sort of exposed that like really wide open for me personally just seeing people because the misreporting of what yeah. was actually happening because of the lack of understanding. Yeah, yeah. because people didn't well, read oh. the legal document and they couldn't report the facts. They they put out these crazy well, misconceptions and lies, like just yeah. completely incorrect. It was either lies within 
it was either incompetent lies or lies for a purpose of misleading. Right. And either way is bad because now the majority of people, like if you ask the average gamer, okay, what happened during the Apple and Epic thing? Well, Apple lost, obviously. Epic won. Epic got Apple. Now they have to allow Epic to be able to like use this separate payment system outside of their system. And now they don't have to pay anything to Apple. Like this is a win for Epic. That's what everyone thinks. And it's like, that is completely the opposite of what happened. That is incorrect. Epic still have to pay Apple. It's just through different means now. And that's what the court decided. It's just no one read the court filing uh, in its entirety because it was 180 pages long and it was too long for the average journalist. That's like, I've got three other game reviews. Game journalist, yeah. And I've yeah. got to, I've got to like read, okay, I'm just going to read the uh, the overview at the beginning, which is only three pages long. And, What's okay, the headline going to be? Right. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And it's just like, that's bad journalism because it's not journalism. They're critics. They're not meant to do this. It's weird. Yeah, it's tricky. It seems like there's, you can't just have, is there enough of an industry just to have a journalist without uh, doing opinion pieces that's just Mm. the facts, reporting things and not getting involved in like reviews and stuff and like opinion pieces? Yeah, it's strange because I remember, like this conversation came up a few years ago when um, a few companies started blacklisting um, Kotaku because Kotaku were just leaking stuff every year. And like, and I've got nothing against leaks in that respect. Like personally, I don't like them, but legally, like, I don't think there's anything technically legally wrong with it. Like there's like, they're going to do like, that's what journalism is. It's if the, someone's not under an NDA, an, NDA, an NDA and they have the ability to tell people and they find out. Yeah. 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 It's probably their responsibility. They would argue that to tell people, which, you know, to each their own. But the mm. difference is, is that when like, cause that is journalism, like they're, the reporting on projects that are unknown sort of thing. But then when you start asking the same publishers that you're leaking from, hey, can we get some free codes for your next game to come out? And the, and the publisher says no. And then Kotaku come out in this big campaign against um, Bethesda, against Ubisoft. Um, I think there was another publisher, I can't remember what it was, complaining about the fact that, oh, we've been blacklisted, poor us, woo-hoo-hoo. And it's like, pick a lane. You know, like if you want to be a journalist, like you have to expect the fact that you're not going to get codes for reviews because that's not your mm. job. But mm. if you if you are going to be the critic 100% time, then stay away from the leaks. Like this is, it's too clear lanes here. And there's yeah. this whole conversation about like the difference between critics and journalism. And this is, this is the pure example of it. So, you know, it's really fascinating. And I'm sure there are loads of people that have the ability to, uh, they might well be working. They might have, they might just, be under the radar because they've got they haven't had the right opportunities aren't in the right companies or or whatever i bet there are loads of people that have that are well up for this task and it's just there isn't the platform there to share that yeah that um good journalism around unfortunately yeah it's strange though because like we don't we have to be careful in that like someone that has the ability to leak something doesn't automatically make them a journalist like there's there's people that are in that gray area like um mm. like Jeff Grubb, he's a, he's a great example. The ga- the guy from Adventure Beat or Games Beat, um, he knows a lot of people in the industry and he gets a lot of information and he leaks and hints about stuff. But there's a lot of stuff that he knows about that he doesn't leak because he's sort of got mm. some level of integrity to that sort of thing, and he gets a lot of stuff right. But he would probably be the first to say like he's not he's not like the the investigate investigative journalism sort of guy either. 
So it's just because you know people that you can leak a project from, it does not automatically make you an investigative journalist in that respect. So there's this yeah. weird. But I understand, like, stepping back from all of this, though, I sort of understand that games journalists, um, all critics in that respect, have to wear two hats because there's only, like, the, the income that they're getting is so minimal. That they bit. can't just go. I don't do reviews. I'm a I'm a yeah. integral a games journalist. I, I you know my opinion is not uh, given, so I can yeah. report on the facts of this video game, but you won't get an opinion out of me. Exactly. You know, it's like well, we've got money for reviews at the minute. We're not. We haven't got any news to cover. So yeah, and I'm pretty sure know, there is a lot of really good investigative journalists that are sort of stuck in the critics chair that are being bugged down by that. And so the opposite is happening as well, and then. The, the senior person who's like been doing reviews all of his life gets given this massive like story like Blizzard and Activision and they don't know what the hell they're doing but the the people that do are sort of like stuck in the lower levels so I can imagine a lot mm. of that happens as well I'm sure there's a lot of frustrations internally and obviously we've seen some high level departures to other companies over the last few years because of that probably so yeah Alana Pierce being one of them like I'm sure she got sick of the industry in some respect as well yeah, because she struck me as one of those ones with integrity, and yeah, yeah, we don't know that obviously, but it, it I get that impression. That's yeah. all I can say. If yeah. the industry is so bad, she wouldn't have jumped shipped into the industry that she was reporting on, sort of thing. And that's sort of what I look at a lot. So I see people from IGN leave all the time to jump into the games industry. Yeah, I've heard horror stories like um, editors literally rewriting uh, writers' articles, mm. and you know it's got the writer's name and picture and it's like well it was rewritten by the editor like th yeah. this isn't my words like this isn't the angle i was going for all this sort of stuff so yeah, yeah it's, it's hard man but yeah who knows i mean as the industry grows like this is probably going to be a self-correcting system at some point like there's going to be there's going to be a day where we realize like okay there's actually a lot of one and the industry gets so big that there's more of these sort of stories to come out to actually like focus you can on. have critics and you can have journalists and they can yeah, yeah exist i'm sure there the is space. gray area as well it's done well i mean I, I like i like the fact that there's people out there that are dedicated to the to informing gamers how games are made like uh, people like danny o'dwyer that's doing um no clip uh documentaries on how games are made stuff is hugely important because it removes yeah. that sort of ambiguous assumptions that gamers have about how games are made and that's really important because it like it humanizes people like us that actually make games and it's it's really vital to going forward because it can actually change a lot of mindsets when people think oh you've had two extra months in a game therefore you must have changed all these things and just tweaking that mindset like gives us a bit more slack and things like that so mm. It's really yeah, important. definitely. It seems like a weird industry in that people have this impression. It seems like people without any experience mm. other than the end product seem to have an innate understanding of the process or practices involved, and they have a, an opinion on it more so than any other medium. Yeah. Like you don't get that with like films or books. Or film, film is TV the one I come shows. to a lot on this. Like you don't get yeah, you don't get like um, fans of movies that are sat there being like, oh, well, the director must have you know, talk to his AP and they must have done this and like they must have talked to the marketing team and, and that's why the poster looks like this and like, oh, the trailer was terrible because like you don't hear any of this from the movie industry, which is crazy. Like why, why, yeah, why do we why do this difference? with games? You know, so hopefully we get to that point. It's kind of interesting in that um, at least it's kind of one of the, one of the pieces of evidence to suggest that they are its, its own 
uh, it's its own industry. It's its mm. own media exists in its own right. It's not, um, without doubt, it's not like a film light. It's not like an alternative version of a film industry. It is its own industry with its own quirks, its own That's fans, right. its own things, but there's probably some better, uh, nicer examples of how that is the case rather than weird <laughs> yeah. fans that have expectations of how, yeah. how production works without any experience or knowledge or understanding of, <laughs> of being a game dev. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I think that's the frustrating thing. Cause like, if you're just a, if you're just an average gamer and you're just consuming like the news and stuff, like you don't know any better. Right. And you're just consuming this sort of stuff and like, okay, the, the journalist must be right. But like, if you, if you ask most games developers, like I, I can't imagine there'll be many of them that would agree that there's that many investigative journalists in the, in the industry right now. So it's sort of like this, this wall of ignorance, like, innocent ignorance don't get me wrong like it's not it's not yeah. like on purpose they're not seeking this stuff out to be malicious or anything like that it's just this is the information that they get presented by these massive outlets so yeah well my experience in games media with some things that happened to me <laughs> has been one of well that was made up or that yeah, was just the reason i did it or like that was taken out of context or google chris's name that. google chris's I, name <laughs> i didn't mean to say that like can i tell them that i didn't mean to say that and i misspoke like right. nope it's all there and that's what people think so yeah you can google my name if you want to know what i'm talking about we'll get onto it in an episode i'm sure one day the yeah. time has to be yeah uh, i'm just waiting for something similar to happen and then we can talk about it but there's no point dragging it up for sure it was like ages ago but it kind of you know it's relative in this context yeah i mean saying all of this though obviously like the people that are reporting on the stuff that they they are reporting on there's there's still a lot of good journalism going on in terms of like critic journalism and and there are some good investigative journalists out there i'm not saying it's completely devoid of it but i guess we're just talking about like they just need to bubble to the surface and take over is what's what we're trying to say yeah for sure i think because there's a lot of good work being done it's just it needs to be put forward so people can actually consume it and, and and understand it and understand the industry for what it's actually going through and, and and it's not just weird sort of opinions about like unionization from people that aren't even in the industry it just annoys the hell out of me so it's it, yeah i mean if there was an article written by more developers about unionization then i'd read those you know yeah i, I want those opinions that there are the opinions i want to hear but i don't want to i don't want to hear from journalists about how they think unions are good for the games industry it's like you're not even in our industry like go away how would you know yeah Yeah. so i don't know yeah that kind of took a left turn yeah it did sorry you got me all riled up like goddamn journalist like got out of my system at least right (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely yeah well i mean you know you work at ubisoft and you've had your fair share of we we've had a rough year to be fair when it comes to journalists. Yeah. So yeah, we've been on the uh, yeah. we've been on the receiving end of that. Um, yeah, just made up stuff or stuff that's been exaggerated out, or they focus on certain things even though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to defend that sort of stuff, but we 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 concentrate a lot on the very very small minority. I mean. I don't know. Like one thing I do want to say to this more than anything is that we need to stop focusing on companies as a whole when it comes to these sort of stories. And this is the problem which I have with journalists in the games industry more than anything else. We don't focus on the individuals like when these sort of things happen. When there's a problem at a company, we tag it as Activision Blizzard. 
we don't yeah. tag it as the individuals that actually committed these acts. Which and almost to the top of the chain, like they go to yeah. the top of the chain. They assume that it's literally the the top old guys that yeah. are that are at fault of what of that's, what's been that's the inherent danger is just like yeah. okay because Activision Blizzard did this therefore it's the guy at the top that did this so let's go after him and it's yeah. that mindset which is dangerous like we shouldn't be doing that because there's going to be a day when one of these stories happens um, it goes all the way to the top you kick the guy out and it's like it's actually just the fault of like a couple of people at the bottom that were actually doing this sort of stuff as individuals had nothing yeah. to do with the company and when that sort of stuff happens it's going to be it's going to be a weird moment where we're going to be like, oh, crap, it's actually going to provide protections to these scum at the bottom that are doing this. Yeah. We shouldn't be doing it. There is a responsibility, obviously, the people at the top to ensure a safe working environment and to ensure these, these things are in place. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of people between the top and the bottom where these these things are happening that yeah. seems to be, at least in the media, uh, not a focus. And yeah, it's a focus of the people at the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, from people I've spoken to about this, or like you see it online, there's, there's most people can name the CEO of Ubisoft, but they can't name the the accused people that have been fired from Ubisoft, and that, as a fact, is strange to me. Like the fact that you know the CEO's name and you want him out, but you don't know the name of the people that actually caused this sort of thing. Like that is bizarre to me. And people have been fired, yeah. They've slunken off onto other jobs higher in some cases. And that that is the danger. Like, you're right. Like, that's the danger is that because, like, okay, Activision Blizzard are the problem. Like, when these people start leaving, they leave the bubble of Activision Blizzard. They go to new jobs and they're they're fine. Like, they're unaffected by any of this. Mm. Like, they just carry on next day, no problem. Because that's an Activision Blizzard problem, right? It's not this individual person's problem. And they do it in the film industry properly. Like we don't, like when Weinstein came out, when all that sort of stuff happened, we didn't attribute didn't that blame the Weinstein to company. the publisher. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like his brother didn't get castrated, rightfully so. Like his brother didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. And we don't do that in games. And that's the part where the journalists have sort of failed us over the last few years. And that's why I've become really, I don't know, like really sour against like the journalist industry and the games industry because it just doesn't, it, it's not fair to like the people that are working in these companies that have done nothing wrong whatsoever. Hmm. It, it's bizarre to me. But I don't. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm ranting all over the place here. You got me no, all riled needs up. Be, needs to be said. Needs yeah. to be said. Oh. So, um, how long has that been going on for then? Too long. <laughs> we should probably wrap this thing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if you did, uh, if you did join us live, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, sorry about no the crazy live. rant on. The, yeah, no one's live. No I one's don't live. think. No one's here. But if you are, if you are joining us after, we really appreciate you like uh, hanging around and, and and listening to us talk about crazy stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. If if you did like uh, listening to us scream and shout about games journalism, please give us a like and subscribe. Uh, Post a comment us. if you did Google my name and find out something interesting. Right, <laughs> It'd be interesting if anyone does. It's just yeah. Chris Jarvis on Google. Good luck. You'll ha- you'll have fun with that. <laughs> It's all lies, by the way. It's all lies. Not, none <laughs> well, of it's true. The it's number all... is true. But, that's but yeah, other than Google, Chris, where can people find you? Uh, so on uh, Twitter, I'm at AcrylicPixel, posting my indie game dev stuff there. And on YouTube, I'm AcrylicPixel. Uh, again, doing videos on my indie game. What about you, Vin? Where can we find your stuff? 
Yep, you can find me on ArtStation. Uh, I am Van Hill Art on there. You can find me and some of my concept art on there. I'm also on Twitter. Find me at Hill Thought Games. Um, I'm working on another another animation cycle in there, so I should be posting that up within the next few days, I think. But, I saw that. We didn't talk about that. Uh, so I mean, you've well, done your your little Vin character. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Was you more about to... Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about it next week. But yeah, it's okay. when I've got something a bit more concrete. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll show you that soon. Uh, cool. But yeah, you can you can you can find that sort of stuff on on Twitter as it as it comes out. But also, if you did like this podcast, and please hit the bell icon so you can be notified when we do go live, and when we do put up a new episode, which is normally every Sunday um, at the latest, it goes up on Monday. Uh, you can also find us on your favorite podcast services as well. So helps yeah. us with the old uh, algorithm. So, yes. So where all you need to is press the button. It helps us out a lot. Indeed. Uh, yep. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Don't tell anyone. We don't mind. Every little helps. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, until next time. Thanks a lot for joining us. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>